Before we get started, a special thank you is in order to our friends over at Stanley Customs. Stanley Customs creates amazing custom sports figurines for all you athletes out there. Right now, our listeners will get 15% off their order and all interviewees will get 25% off of their order simply by going to Stanley underscore Customs on Instagram and telling them that Globally Ballin sent you. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Globally Ballin podcast, a product of the Globally Ballin podcast network we have a fantastic interview for you today so sit back and enjoy and thank you all for joining us one more time here's the music i gotta let you go finish the game with a broken hand yeah finish the game with- i'm rio 2016 silver medalist and asian games 2018 gold medalist young man how do you use a celebrity for good you know, it's, uh, up until that point, most of us, as athletes, were taught how to use a celebrity to manipulate, to get a girl, to get famous, whatever it is. We're hours away from kind of the nearest hospital to end up losing his leg over. I don't think a lot of people know the opportunities there are actually to play overseas, especially in the women's category. Actually broke my neck. I was paralyzed from the waist down, and I was never supposed to walk again, much less be able to play football again. Had a couple guys get robbed at gunpoint, um, and one of them was just like, "Yeah, get me out." At the same time, there are some who would still keep their nine to five jobs because the pay for being an athlete isn't enough. Don't complain when we look like idiots abroad in these big tournaments. What league or country gave you the best pay contract-wise? Probably Turkey my last season. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for being patient and waiting an extra week for today's episode. Posted on Instagram and Twitter that there'd be a delay in the episode and the reason I gave was because of the news that broke out of the AFL. If you're not familiar, AFL, Arena Football League, as of very recently, I'm I'm recording this October 31, Halloween, and um, I believe two days ago, it was news that the Albany Empire, a team from the AFL, was going to cease operations or at least stop making any future transactions or moving forward in any way then on all kind of the groups and message boards and threads it was that yeah something's going on the afl's having some real issues this is weird this isn't the way it's supposed to be and a lot of people are saying you know this has a lot of the similar feel to the afl crash of 2009 i believe as we were kind of watching and, and news quickly shifted from not only is the albany empire not moving forward with anything big but they're starting to freeze everything um they had a post that i reposted on the twitter at globally ballin on twitter where um the albany empire said that they were postponing indefinitely Uh, any camps trainings or combines slash tryouts that they were having or that they had scheduled they later came out with a post said they were going to work on all refunds that people needed to be issued Uh, presumably for season ticket purchases. And from there, things kind of snowballed and snowballed rumors that the AFL is facing a $2 million lawsuit on whatever that may be. And all, you know, 
as a part of what I do and what we do, we try to stay as connected as possible. So we're in just hundreds of groups. And um, a lot of these groups were blowing up, um, talking specifically about how, yeah, the AFL is in here, huge trouble and this is all falling apart and um, this is not going to be good. Uh, so that's where the delay came in for this episode because there's a lot of news to kind of watch for and it's very closely and not quite as closely related at the same time to this episode that you're about to hear. This episode is with Balin Trujillo. I am 98% positive I said that wrong. He uh, originally was a red shirt quarterback at South Florida and then after a coaching change ended up transferring to Weber International University and played quarterback there. Soon after Balin um, started playing indoor football and our talk is his experience playing for the Orlando Predators in the National Arena League. Balin was a great interview because what you'll probably enjoy is I basically sit back and just let Balin talk. He's got a really good story to tell. He was um, right in the middle of some of the things we talk about and think about when we look at some of these lower level or startup leagues or you know you're never quite sure what it's going to look like or how well it's really working or how trustworthy some of these people really are and the orlando predators if any of you are familiar had some major issues as of very recently and balen being the quarterback was right in the middle of it so he's going to detail all of the super sketchy things that were going on um specifically with one individual at the orlando predators all the things he experienced the hiccups he had um, and now the ramifications that some of the players are left trying to pick up the pieces because of what happened. He's told this story on a couple of local radio stations down in Orlando. So it was a great pickup to have him and join us. And again, you'll enjoy it because I don't talk a whole lot. It's basically Balin just running things. So fantastic talk. Thank you for being patient again. Um, we'll try to see, keep keep an eye close to see what happens with um with the AFL, with all this going on, rumor is some of these teams might be, you know, if the AFL does fold completely, what's going to happen with these teams, these established brands, these rosters, um, all of this stuff, are they going to be absorbed into an existing league? Um, I saw a post in one of the groups again now has the IFL, that's the Indoor Football League ranked one with the National Arena League at second and the Champions Indoor League at third with the AFL nowhere to be found, assuming that they either drop out or even if they do, that this is going to be a, a hiccup that they're not going to recover from, putting them in fourth or completely out of the race. Uh, but if that's the case, you're looking at some significant franchises and brands left over from the potential fall of the AFL that will either completely leave or join an arena league or an indoor league. As of the 2019 season, there were six teams, the Albany Empire, which was previously mentioned, from Albany, New York, Atlantic City Blackjacks from Atlantic City, New Jersey, Baltimore Brigade, Baltimore, Maryland, Columbus Destroyers, Columbus, Ohio, Philadelphia Soul in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and the Washington Valor in Washington, D.C. Now, a lot of these, now these teams all are on the northeast area of the United States, and that would fall near the existing teams in the National Arena League, so that would actually fit pretty well. The National Arena team currently has the Carolina Cobras in Greensboro, North Carolina, Columbus Lions in Columbus, Georgia, Jacksonville Sharks, defending champs. Uh, we had an interview with um, 
majority shareholder there. Jacksonville Sharks in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, the Jersey Flight in Trenton, New Jersey. Massachusetts Pirates in Wor Worcester, Massachusetts. Orlando Predators, which is what this interview will be about in Orlando, Florida. And West Virginia Rough Riders, the new team um, from Wheeling, West Virginia. And so they currently, as of now, has seven teams in the C or in the um, NAL, National Arena League. However, with the potential folding of the AFL and the fact that a lot of those teams are in similar areas, it's not a crazy idea to think that maybe some of those teams might join the National Arena League. Um, thus really expanding the power of the National Arena League, and it's only been around for a few years, um, really starting to rival it with um, the IFL. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the AFL and everything. But um, don't get confused. This interview is not about the AFL. It's about the experience with the Orlando Predators by Balin in the National Arena League. However, it's important because indoor football has had some blemishes in the armor in the past, and so... Uh, this story helps kind of outline some of the potential issues that can happen in, in different leagues that haven't stood the test of time and um, situations like that. And it's a, it's a really good, interesting story. So enjoy that. Uh, thanks again to Balin. Um, appreciate the time and the story. He told it very well. And um, thank you all for listening and enjoy. Hey everybody, this episode is brought to you by an additional sponsor. We are now also brought to you by Creating Young Minds. Creating Young Minds is a nonprofit out of Louisville, Texas, right outside of Dallas. You may remember we've had an episode in the past with the founders of Creating Young Minds, Dr. Shira Ackerman and Coach Mathis Crowder. Creating Young Minds strives to help young men achieve success in their life where they may not have otherwise achieved that success. One way they do this is through their new basketball team. The Louisville Yellow Jackets, affiliated with Creating Young Minds, play in TBL, the Basketball League, and through a combination of their nonprofit as well as their basketball team, Creating Young Minds and the Louisville Yellow Jackets are doing their best to bring the European model of basketball to the United States. That is Creating Young Minds. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, basically everywhere. Find creating young minds check them out see what they're all about and when the tbl league rolls around once again keep an eye out for the lewisville yellow jackets thank you i saw your name come up in an article i was reading about uh, orlando predators and some of the issues they yep. had and so i wanted to get your first-hand experience on that if you could yeah so my experience with the Atlanta Predators, one, it was it was it first started off really awesome. I mean, I did get a call from Kenny McIntyre um, halfway through their season. They didn't start off so well, but I know they had some quarterback issues and some injuries going on. And I was actually currently playing for another team, the Lakeland Tarpons, and they ended up folding. They moved back to Fort Myers and they rechanged their name to Florida Tarpons. And then right before the season, like literally a week before, they folded. But before they folded, two weeks uh, before that, I got a call from Kenny asking, you know, do I want to be Orlando Predator? They're looking for a quarterback. And I actually at first denied it, uh, not because of Kenny or anything. It's just I'm, I'm very loyal to what I do. Whatever I'm in, I, I want to go 100% in. And yes, it was a bigger scale. And yes, obviously, it's a dream to play for your hometown team. But at the same time, I made a commitment to another pro uh, organization, and I was going to live out that commitment and um, and honor that, and as, as well as you know, play with the teammates that I already built bonds with. This was going to be my second year with them. Um, and then when they folded two weeks later, uh, Kenny was my first call, 
And I said, hey, look, coach, I know that, you know, through, um, you know, some circumstances with the uh, the Florida Tarpons, they folded. Um, I'm available. You guys will be the only team I play next uh, with. So I'll, I'll hold out my availability if you need me still. If not, you know, I look forward to next year. Uh, he literally returned my phone call the very next day um, and said, hey, we wanted to come. You know, you're invited to a private practice. We want to see how you do. Um, if everything works out, we'll sign you. And sure enough, went to the practice, did really well. Uh, he signed me that night. Um, and then my first game with the Predators, we obviously went up to uh, Carolina. I only took one snap in that game when uh, Brian looked like he almost had a concussion in the fourth quarter and the game-winning drive. Uh, completed one pass, which was great. And then we ended up winning the game, which was a big shock into the entire league. So that was a really cool experience, my first game with the Predators. Um, and then obviously uh, played the, the three games after that. We'd split time, me and Brian split time. Um, and then going into my final game with the Predators, which there were still three remaining games left, I ended up breaking my hand right before halftime. I continued, and that was also against Carolina. I finished the game out, but I can tell something was wrong with my hand. I couldn't really grip the ball anymore. Um, I just felt something weird. So You sure finished enough, the game with a broken hand? Yeah, I finished the game. It was right before halftime. And then, um, yeah, I, they ended up putting me – I told them at halftime, you know, I was hurting. So they ended up putting Brian back in to start the third quarter. And then it just wasn't getting any better, not due to him, but just the circumstances. So they put me right back in the game, and I ended, I ended up finishing the game. Wow. Um, which I don't think was a smart idea because I kept getting hit like literally every play. Um, but anyway, so that was a Friday night. I believe that game was – no, actually it was a Saturday. Sorry. No, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm backtracking. So it was a Sunday uh, game when we played Carolina. The next morning, Monday, I go in for x-rays. And uh, sure enough, it was completely broken. It was my pinky on my throwing hand. Uh, completely broken, but it broke in place. So I didn't really need surgery at the time, but they said if I continue to play on it, you, it, it I have the risk of it getting out of place, which would require surgery, which I wasn't willing to do. Um, and then as I'm leaving the doctor's office, uh, I get a text from the offensive coordinator, who was PJ Jack at the time, and he said that, that they just released Brian. So literally get that news. I'm, it was just me and him on the roster. They released Brian. Now I'm the only guy available and now I have a broken hand. So I told him straight up, like, look, I have a broken hand. I'm not going to risk it. You know, they were trying to – obviously him, Coach Doug, and Coach Kenny was texting me throughout the week, like, asking if I could go. I was telling him, no, look, I'm not going to risk this. I mean, yeah, I can tape it up, but I'm not going to – surgery is not what I want out of this. I mean, especially at that point, we're like 2-8 and eight or 2-9. and nine. We're not really playing for anything. So it wasn't, in my opinion, the smartest decision to risk something I gotta... that could potentially hurt me. Uh, quick question though: Did they know you were going for X-rays? Why would they release their quarterback? Yes, while they did know. Well, I, I the, so what happened was after the game, I was with the team doctor, and obviously I think Kenny Magatar ended up leaving midway through the fourth quarter, so there was no way he knew. Um, then Coach Doug obviously was trying to you know handle the team afterwards, and I didn't really bother him because as soon as the game ended, I barely even was out for autographs. I went straight into the. The, uh, obviously the training room and they wrapped it up, you know, put ice on it, made the contacts, scheduled an appointment for the following day. So I didn't per se vocalize and say, Hey guys, I'm going to get an x-ray. But I thought, you know, the team doctor was going to have all that communication. I mean, he's the, sure. the guy, you know, so I'm just doing, I'm just going through protocol. And, um, and I knew it was broken because immediately after the game, when I unwrapped my finger, it was completely black and blue. And we're talking not even an hour, an hour and a half after the injury. So usually over time when the adrenaline goes down and, swelling builds up then you start seeing the effects of the injury but i knew immediately my hand there was something wrong with it i couldn't move it it was black and blue and then sure enough i got worse when i woke up the next morning which was the day of the x-rays which was monday um like i even took a picture of it put it online and i showed it, you know, everybody obviously what was going on 
But anyway, so I get that text. I get that text Monday that he's released. Literally, right as I'm leaving the doctor's office, I guess he had he I didn't tell the coach because I ended up having to tell the head coach that night, Monday night, because the offensive coordinator was like, "I think you should tell coach." And I'm like, "Well, I th- where's the communication in this whole thing? Like, you guys are the coaches. Yeah. Like, you guys should be the ones." reaching out to the doctor and especially after you release your quarterback like now i'm supposed to be the guy and now i can't even go so and this is where all the problems started so i get a text later on the week like thursday night from kenny saying are you sure you can't go tomorrow and i'm like dude i have a broken hand how many times am i gonna say this like not, not that way it wasn't through text message so it wasn't like i verbally said that to him but i'm like sorry i can't go like i, I i'm it's broken so sure enough they signed another guy that same night who they were supposed to practice, which they ended up canceling practice. Um, and he played the next day, which we played that Friday night against Jacksonville, which is the two best teams. We went back to back with Carolina and Jacksonville. Uh, and, and you know, he didn't really have a good game because he had no practice. So that's when it really started getting bad for the Predators. Um, so I was around for the two weeks that they had me on IR. Um, and of course, you know, through the contract, you're supposed to be getting paid. Uh, it's like $100 for every game that you're stuck on IR. And in the contract, you can't get cut for being hurt. It's got to be through performance-based, sure. not because you got injured. So, And that's all in the contract and in writing. So they never said nothing to me. You know, they, you know, obviously, Coach Doug did a good job. He'd call me here and there, which was our head coach. He'd call me and see if I was okay. And, you know, over time, it got better. But I'm still not – in my mind, I'm not going to risk it. I mean, it was a, it was a five-week uh, healing process. Uh, for it to be healed on its own and I mean we only had what four weeks left of the season so I already knew in my mind I'm out for the rest of the year I'm just going to write this out you know hopefully we end on a good note and then obviously come back next year well over the course of two weeks you know I'd, I would ask hey coach can I come pick up my check they'd be like yes it's here then I you know I'll try to figure out you know I'll go to that area and then they'd be like, no it's not there it's over here with you know coach McIntyre so then I'd reach out to coach McIntyre he'd be like I'm out of town so I mean it was a bunch of it was like two weeks of just playing around with my game check and up to that point, Kenny paid me every single game. And there was arguments, literally there was practices where players, we'd sit down and have like an hour and a half conversation with all the players on why their checks are being bounced. And the players are you know, not getting paid, but I was Uh-oh. one of maybe two people the entire time getting paid. And I didn't know why these issues were happening because every time I put my check into the, the bank, it would go through. Then obviously, you know, just being around that and always having conversation and players getting upset, tr- trying to show up to Kenny's house and all this stuff. Um, I, I started looking at my checks. This was a part of the four weeks that I was playing. And uh, after the, the game, I broke my hand. I looked at my previous check, the, the last check I ever got, and it said Kenny McIntyre on the check. And it didn't say the Orlando Predators like the other guys that were getting checks. So I knew there I was getting money from a personal account and not actually a business account, which we all know when you own a business, it's got to come from the business. It can't come from a personal account because now we're talking about money laundering and we're talking about playing with other people's money like – or, or business's money, even if you're the owner, you know, the money that you're, the revenue you're making from the tickets, the, the, the parking, all that's got to go into a business account, which is where you're paying the players. Well, my checks are coming from Kenny's personal checking account, um, which I didn't pick that up till, you know, obviously I wasn't doing the checks. I'm wondering, okay, what's going on? So once I found that out, again, I was going to keep everything under the rug. I wasn't going to say anything because I was treated well. Kenny never did anything malicious to me. Uh, Coach Doug, we, me and him had a good relationship, and I already knew Coach Jack before. Uh, doing camps together and, and, and doing quarterback stuff. Um, already, so I already built a good relationship. And then obviously Ben Bennett before that, uh, he kind of took me under his wing and was teaching me the ropes and stuff. So I built also a relationship with him. So again, up until the time I broke my hand, everything was taken care of for me as per se. I already live in Orlando, so I, I wasn't living in the team apartments. I wasn't getting the meal plans that they were supposed to be getting. All I did was show up to practice, show up to the games, and I was good. Got my check, would leave and come back home. 
So once I broke my hand and they realized like I wasn't, you know, contributing, obviously the checks stopped coming. Then I started wondering what's going on because I know in the contract I was supposed to be getting paid, but I would still show up to the games. Uh, I think we finished off the home, like at home uh, the last like three or four games of the season. Three of them were at home, and I went to every single one of those home games. I was still on the sidelines with the team. Uh, I would see Kenny, try to approach him about the tickets or uh, about the money, but he would end up leaving. So eventually got to the last home game of the season, the very last game, and I, you know, I texted him the night before. And I said, hey, coach, I'm going to go on the sideline. Uh, I'm expecting my game check. He's like, yep, I'll have it tomorrow. Everything will be taken care of. So I get to the game. Of course, he's the first person I see. I literally show up three hours before the game to be with the team for meal. And I, I see him. He shakes my hand. He asks me how my hand is. I'm like, it's good. So I'm assuming at this point, he's like, here's your game check or your game checks per se. Because I didn't even get paid the game I broke my hand in. So I'm still waiting for that check as well, including the, the three or four IR games. But that, again, uh, that's something that Kenny has to take care of. But um, but he didn't. He just said, "How's your hand?" I said, "Good." And he's all right, all right. So then he ended up leaving because he's like, "I gotta, you know, work on defense." Because he was coaching that game. He coached our last game on defense. So I'm like, "Uh oh." So here we go. We're gonna go through this carousel again. So sure enough, we went through the whole entire game. We ended up unfortunately losing to Columbus. Um, and then he takes off after the game. No one sees him. He leaves. Um, nowhere to be found. And people are, you know, obviously expecting game checks. I'm trying to look for him because I'm trying to just get what I'm owed and be done with it. And sure enough, no, he's gone literally out um so <clears throat> through the course of that weekend i'm texting him i'm like hey man like i can just come to the office i can just do this under the table just stand my check he's like i'm out of town um I'll, I'll i'll get back with you when i get back I'm like, all right cool so sure enough he comes back into town for that next week i'm texting him literally every day nothing no response he, he just never responded back to me and then finally um, that following Sunday, so this is like a week after the season's over, I literally text him. I'm like, look, man, this is my last time talking to you about this. You either pay me or it's not going to be good for you. And then he responded. And this is why I went out with my story. He responded, which, I, again, I screenshotted that last conversation we had on social media. So everybody saw the last text message he sent me. But he, he his sarcastic remark of, oh, I'm out of town right now, which he went to the Jacksonville game when they were at the championship. He's like, I'm out of town right now, but when I get back, I'll pay you your million dollars. When he said that in a sarcastic way, I was like, you know what? This guy's a fool, and I'm about to expose him for everything he ever did for this team, for all the players, all the money laundering, all the, the fake allegations, all the not paying you know, our, our meals, you know, people getting evicted out of their homes, their credits being you know, charged because they're bounced checks. So I, I went off on everything, and I let it all out. Um, pretty much telling him, you know, keep your, you know, your $500 because clearly you need it because he wasn't paying anybody. And after that, I literally sent out this whole post on Facebook, which turned into something very like viral. And then, they, then Facebook ended up taking it down and then they re-put it back up. And then I put more stuff out there. Then I put pictures with the evictions, the car being towed, players complaining about not getting their checks. Then I put up one of my personal checks, obviously across out the amount, but with his name on a personal check, which shows, again, he was paying me from his personal account. Then the commissioner reached out to me. Uh, and then the co-owner, Nate uh, Stallings, reached out to me, which I, I, I'm for Nate. I love Nate. He did everything he could. I'm telling you, he was at every single practice. I, I think I saw Kenny one time at a practice uh, the whole time I was there for about a month and a half that I was playing with the Predators. Uh, Nate was there almost every time. He was trying to figure out how to you know, get us all paid, and uh, he did everything he could, which is why I respect Nate so much. Um, but he called me, wanted to know what's going on. And then obviously Channel 9 reached out to me, ABC, which is a big, uh, you know, uh, radio or not radio, but news station here. Obviously, uh, West Channel 2 reached out to me. Some people from Las Vegas reached out to me. I was doing a story. So, I mean, it just got big. But again, this was never supposed to happen if he didn't just pay, if he just paid. 
but he never did. And I'm like, you know what? Everyone deserves yeah. to have a voice that went through this, the struggles because one, if you look at our record, I think we finished like two and 13. Mm -hmm. There was no way possible with the talent that we had that we're going to be losing games, but we barely practiced. We maybe practiced once a week, especially when it started getting really bad when Kenny literally just stopped showing up for everything and stopped paying everybody. Um, so there was like petitions right. of players almost boycotting, not even coming to the last three games. And it really like they were in an argument of whether they should just even play and then kind of show up Kenny and be like, oh, there's no game today, you know, spending all this money on the, the venue and stuff and then not even playing. But of course, uh, you know, Coach Doug did do a good job of motivating us and telling us it's a bigger picture. You're trying to get out of this place, you know, so you're going to need to film. So that's more important than the game check. So the kids kind of, you know, the, 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 uh, t my teammates kind of rallied around that. But again, everybody was so scared to say something because they know that the next, the next team that takes a chance on this, on them, they were afraid that if anything goes wrong, it just, you know, it would go out in the public. But for me, you know, football is not my, my livelihood. That's not my living. I just do it for fun. You know, this is something that, you know, I enjoyed playing my whole life, but I've, you know, changed career paths to where I'm coaching and teaching uh, the game of football rather than playing. And, you know, I'm presented with the opportunity of still playing. So that's awesome. But it's not like what I'm banking my life on, like some of these guys. And so yeah. they don't want to say anything because they're going to be looked at as, you know, this, the guy who starts drama because he's not getting his way. But for me, sure. I can care less. So All I right. spoke up for the team and I'm like, you know what? I have nothing to lose because if I never play again, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. This is not what I this is not what I live for. So that's all, another reason why I just, said, you know, screw it. I'm just going to release everything uh, so that the players can kind of have a voice. And th so someone can finally speak up about, you know, what Kenny was doing. But in all my interviews and I, even on this one, like I said, from day one, I will never speak negatively about Kenny as a person. I just think as a business owner, he did everything wrong which ultimately led to all this. And now he's not even the owner anymore. And that's a whole another story. They're trying to release that out. I already know who the new owner is and the new head coaches, but I'm not, I don't want to release that until they release it. Yeah. Uh, but I do know Kenny is, has no involvement in the Orlando predators anymore. He got fined by the commissioner who I now have a good relationship with, which I think he's doing a phenomenal job. I know he's getting a lot of heat right now um, through the stuff that's going on, but I'm telling you, he's doing his best to try to make everybody happy, which is really hard, especially when you're dealing with a bunch of poor organizations that aren't even in your city. So, uh, to be a commissioner of a league that's pretty tough so i know again a lot yeah. he gets a lot of heat for all this stuff but okay. really the, the target was kenny and again I, I don't i'm not speaking negatively on his character but as far as a business owner which is what i keep talking about he did everything wrong he could have done a lot of things better and it's just not right that the players and myself had to go through some of the stuff we did when it all could have been taken care of if he just did the right thing morally and ethically um yeah so i do wonder we had actually one of our interviews we had earlier was with uh, Kevin Wesniak of the Jacksonville Sharks and so that was a great one and it, it was obviously none of this this was it was more general National Arena League and everything okay. was really positive and so I was wondering if you could kind of give us an insight of does it did it look like it was a specific one-man issue or is it a league yeah. problem did you think I think it's a one-man issue I think that we had an owner who was probably selfish and saw a lot of income and saw uh, a big picture and which is why he probably bought the team out and, and knew that there was a big market for the Orlando Predators especially being a, a pretty big franchise and a historical franchise who is known for winning a lot of games I know Orlando has a big fan base obviously we're one of the, the top places in the entire world to go to tourist wise so it, it brings a lot of attraction coming to Orlando Predators so I think that he saw a big market he took advantage of it bought out the team he's a big known name he's like a, one of the biggest celebrities in Orlando as far as arenas concerned and as far as like just being a professional athlete um, so he took over the team and I just don't think he managed it right I think there's a difference between a, a great manager and a player who, who thinks that they can do it it's almost like a coach like a lot of players think that they can coach the game because they're good at it 
but it, it, it takes a specific skill set and, and knowledge to actually be good at what you do, especially when it comes to coaching and owning a business uh, when you're running things. I mean, again, there's a lot of quick money, so maybe you got excited. I don't know, but I just I feel like it was more of a owner issue and not a team issue or a league issue, which is another thing I wanted to talk about um, with the, the people that interviewed with me. I, I wanted the, the, all the attention to be on how we were treated from management, not from a team and not sure. from the league. Sure. Uh, the league is phenomenal. I think it's awesome. They, you know, again, I've spoken to the commissioner plenty of times. We have built a really good relationship um, and he's doing, uh, from what he's told me, he's doing a fantastic job. I think that he's doing everything morally and ethically right as well. I think he's trying to make every, all teams involved uh, the best that they can be uh, and the most successful they can be through coaching and all that stuff um, and hiring the right people. But as far as the Orlando Predators, again, it was all, it was at all, everything to do with being a manage, a management and ownership issue and not a team issue or even the coaches. I loved all the coaches that went through. Um, the predators. I mean, Ben Bennett took me under his wing. We went out a couple times to eat. Like he treated us like you know family. And same thing with Coach Doug. Coach Doug had me at his house several times, watched film, bought us dinner. So it was never like a negative, you know, atmosphere, negative uh, camaraderie with the team or the coaches. It was all based off what Kenny McIntyre was doing with all of us as players, and just not managing the situation and and being a, a proper owner that he could have been for the Orlando Predators. So. To answer your question, like I said, man, this had everything to do with an ownership issue, not a league or a team issue. I, the Orlando Predators need to be back. They need to be in Orlando. Again, like I mentioned before, we have such a big fan base. We're a big tourist uh, you know, city. Everybody wants to come to Orlando. Why not have a pro team? They're already used to winning. They've won championships before. They've had big names come through the city. Why not? You know, the Orlando Magic is here. They, they built a brand new arena, which we got to play in, which is a beautiful facility. I think probably one of the best ones in the NAL or even in the AFL. So, I mean, this just brings a lot of excitement. But again, this had everything to do with an ownership problem, not a team or a league problem. So uh, you mentioned kind of the bad flack the commissioner is getting. And I, of course, found myself lost in some of those those uh, forms and stuff like that. But it yeah. sounds like you're taking and you stand pretty strong and kind of an optimistic view of the NAL moving forward. Yeah. Is that, mm -hmm. do you, do you think, can you speak for people? Do you think that's common? Am I just hearing bad from a few people that are loud or is yeah, there a I little mean, concern? Again, yeah. Everybody, again, everybody's gonna have their own opinion. Everybody's a top of their opinion. Like my opinion about Kenny McIntyre is a terrible owner, great person, great player. I mean, that's great. But just like the, the league, everybody's going to think, Oh, bad, you know, bad league. The thing is people don't get the real story. What happens is I come out with this story. I, I'm coming from factual stuff. I'm, I'm putting pictures out there. I'm showing example after example. There's nothing that I've said that I've made up. There's no reason for me to do it. I get I benefit nothing out of this, right? But when they talk when they talk about like the league and people like upset at the league, like oh this is the league, this is the league's fault for doing this, it has nothing to do with that. The league can't control what a, another man's actions are. What the league can do is try to get the right people in place to make better decisions, which I think that's what they're doing right now with all the fines that Kenny has gotten, which ultimately led him out of the Orlando Predators. Again, I know I'm confirmed. I can confirm it right now that Kenny McIntyre has nothing to do with the Orlando Predators anymore. He's got fines under his name. I know that there's a couple of lawsuits coming after him through former coaches, players, um, even fans that are going through some of the stuff that they went through. Um, so I know that's being you know dealt with. And again, I, I don't want to speak on that because I don't know much information sure. on what it is, but yep. I do know that there are lawsuits out there against him right now. I, I have talked to multiple people that who already have uh, hired lawyers. But again, 
the people are going to say what they want to say. All they can see see from the outside looking in is, oh, this is an NAL problem. The NAL has a lot of issues. You know, the thing that happened in New York where people are getting their stuff stolen, that's an NAL issue. You know, the, the you know, Jacksonville winning, you know, that might have been set up by the NAL. You know, then all of a sudden the Predators, you know, they're freaking 2-13. and 15, You know, that's all, you know, part of the NAL and Kenny McIntyre being a part of it and, you know, just negative, negative, negative. I think that all they're seeing is all the negative from the outside. They're never, no one's ever been inside the, the organization or inside the building per se. Um, so they, they're just speaking out of emotion and they're speaking out of, you know, opinion, which everybody's entitled to. But until you really know what's going on, this is, again, all these problems, no one can, no one can, you know, predict or, or <clears throat> kind of prevent someone coming into a locker room and yeah they could do better security but is that really a league problem or is that a is that a, a building problem or is that a you know a venue problem is, is that that's not a league problem and the fact that they, they had everything stolen out of the locker room like okay but get better security you know or you know this whole kenny mcintyre thing like did the league did the league think that kenny was going to do this to the players no it was all hush hush until i came out with it so again this is nothing to do with the league the nal is a great league it, it, it brings in other teams that don't have maybe the money uh, like the AFL does to bring into these athletes and also gives them another venue for professional sports to st still be in the arena realm, which I think the arena football is a phenomenal, you know, uh, avenue for athletes to even make it to the pros, but also playing professional football uh, brings a lot of excitement. A lot of kids, you know, like that stuff. It's fast paced. Um, so the NL brings again, a lot of that uh, to the league. But again, from people that are running in forums, all they're doing is base it off, you know, what they read, or what they see they don't they don't know what's really going on behind the scenes and what the players are actually going through positive or negative like i said jacksonville i've talked to multiple players in jacksonville they love the situation they love being in jacksonville they love playing for those coaches they love you know winning the championships and all that. that's awesome you know talk the same thing with people in uh, carolina they love how it's run they love the organization they love you know they're getting paid every week blah blah, blah. then you even talk to some people from the massachusetts pirates everybody's happy they seem like everything's going on so and then same thing with Columbus Lions. So, like I said, it's not a league issue. It's 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 specific people in the wrong spot with the wrong titles with the wrong teams. It has nothing to do with the league. So, again, if you're listening as a fan, you know I, I'm backing up the NAL. I'll back up the AFL. I even back up the AAF. You know, or whatever the other arena leagues are. Um, it's it's very hard as a league owner to run an, a whole entire league. But I think they're doing the best that they can. Uh, and as all the information that I have gathered through through talking to uh, the owner and the league uh, commissioner himself on multiple occasions, I feel like it's headed in the right direction. And again, everybody that's posting on these these forums, they've never spoken to him ever a day in their life. So until they do that, until they really know what's behind the scenes and how teams are really run and what it takes to do that, they can just voice their opinions. But it's all based off their own, you know their own convictions or their own um whatever they want to you know whatever you want to call it their own personal preference but it has nothing to do with the league i'm telling so um it's new and it's the league hasn't been around for too long um right you look at it you're confident in the longevity of the nal yeah 100 percent. and how do how does the nal how do you guys compete with each other as far as the other leagues is it kind of a competition base or do you kind of leave each other alone um, that's good. That's a great question. I think we work. They work together. I, there was points in um, the season when I was a part of the Predators that they would, there was opportunity for players to go up to the AFL, um, oh, and wow. there was really no uh, contract negotiation where it's like, no, you can't do it. Like. 
There was never that. As a matter of fact, Coach Doug did a phenomenal job of basically motivating us and saying, look, you're not playing for the check. You're playing for the AFL, the NFL, the CFL, whatever other opportunities there are for you to move up in this business. So it was always pushed in a positive direction to kind of work together between the two. It was never really competitive to where it's like, oh, we're better than the AFL. There was never that. It was more like, hey, we're here. You have an opportunity to put film out there. You can actually go up to the AFL. Or you can, you know, dominate this league that we're in in the NAL and then hopefully move into the NFL, the CFL or whatever. XFL doesn't matter. So I feel like it was more, you know, working together. I never really felt that it was very competitive. Uh, it was almost like in, they're in a league of their own. But they knew that the AFL is ultimately obviously the big dogs, which I still believe that the Orlando Predators and even like Carolina and Jacksonville can still play in that and be very competitive. Okay. But at the end of the day, it's always going to come down to money um, and, how, and how much money a team can get. And obviously through the revenue of the, of the, the, um, the building and, and the rental and the fans and the season tickets and all that. And the player contracts, I mean, it's all based off money. I believe AFL is making, obviously, a, a lot more money than the NAL right now. Like you just, like you mentioned, they're just a, a starting up league. So it's going to take time for them to ramp up. But this, again, gives other teams opportunities to either, if they're in the AFL, come down to the NAL or vice versa. NAL go up to the AFL. Uh, but, again, it's just more opportunity for the players. So if you don't have NAL, uh, then guess what? Half, you know. Every person that played in the NAL is not going to, one, get an opportunity to go up because they have no film, and two, they're just sitting at home. So now, again, this is bringing professional football to, you know, another league, another avenue to make it to where you want to be for those that are taking this serious. Um, and, again, for me, it was never about that. It was about, you know, just having fun and playing, which, again, that was also an opportunity uh, for myself and all some of the local guys that were on the team as well. So, again, I think the NAL is a great thing. Um, I think the AFL is always going to be the standard because everybody wants to, you know, that was the first thing that really came out, the Arena Football League. So I don't, I never really felt like there was a big competition. It was more like, you know, we're always motivated to either move up to that or go higher. All right, so um, I don't want to let you go, but I really should. So is there anything that you need, you think we missed or that you want people to hear that I didn't ask or you didn't get a chance to say? No, I just want to, re I just, if anything, just recap on what I said. Uh, again, this had everything, the whole Orlando Predator situation was always about an owner issue, not a team issue, not a league issue, and not a commissioner issue. It had everything to do with the owner and how he was treating us as players and morally and ethically he did things that I don't think most owners would do or are doing. I think there are awesome coaches and, and, and owners out there. I have talked to multiple of them. They, it's funny, when I did come out with the story, I was already you know, predicting a backlash from other owners and, and you know, what did you do? You're probably gonna you know, motivate other players to come out. But if you notice, pretty much everybody was backing up what I was saying. They were in support of it and no one really else came out from another team that had any of the same issues. It was all about one guy um and his name is kenny mcintyre so again this is i don't want to you know push shame on his name he's a you know the dealings i've had with him in person have been always great he's a phenomenal player he's a phenomenal um uh you know figure in orlando but as far as ownership it was terrible it needed to be fixed uh, orlando predators do need to come back whether that's in the nal or the afl um it's a great thing for the city uh, I it's still an honor that I played for them. I'll get to tell my kids one day that I played for my hometown professional team, uh, a team that's you know historically been very good. They've won championships, stuff like that. So that's always going to be uh, something that I'll cherish forever. It's just unfortunate that the memory of playing with them, you know, wasn't you know the, the thing that we all thought you know or even 
uh, I thought was going to happen. But again, it's still an honor to be an Atlanta Predator. You know, if you know, I do know the new head coach and I do know the new owner, which I love both those guys, and I can't wait for that to be released because everybody deserves to know that. Um, I, but I, you know, I do have the option of maybe coming back and playing again. That's still an option for me. Uh, just again, I, it has to be I, the pros have to weigh out the cons. But as far as right now and the circumstances we are in right now, um, this had everything to do with an owner issue. I pray that you know that teams learn from this, that other coaches and owners learn that you know you should not take care, you know, take advantage of players. You you know you owe them what is you know their due. I mean, we're putting our lives on the line, getting hit every play you know, for this, for everyone else's entertainment. We deserve some type of compensation. Players shouldn't be living, you know, in Orlando or in Carolina or in Massachusetts or in Maine or, or in Jacksonville that are from all over the place expecting an owner to pay their rent and then them not doing it. Now all of a sudden their personal credit's being affected by it and now they can't buy the house where they're from or they can't, you know, purchase things because now their credit's affected because of something that they had no control over, which was promised, you know? So that's a lot of it. Um, and that needs to be changed and that no one should ever go through that. Um, but like I said, I, I'm, I'm proud that I played in the NAL. I'm proud that I played for the Predators. And I believe that both those, both those, the team and the league is moving in the right direction uh, this, this time going forward. And I hope that none of this ever happens again to anybody. Awesome. So fans can expect to see the Predators ready to go uh, this coming season. Yeah, they are West, coming Vir- back, yeah. West Virginia is now in, right? Um, yes, the Rough Riders. I saw. Yep, that, yep. they're in, they, and that's a team that I had. I, I had the pleasure of playing against when I played for the Florida Tarpons. I'm telling you right now, just being around that team and playing against them multiple times, that team can compete with anybody. I'm telling you right really? now, that team is someone you're going to want to watch. They get a lot of athletes. I don't know how they do it, but if you look at the roster, I'm talking about these guys are high-level athletes that could be playing on Sundays. So I'm telling you right now, the Richmond Rough Riders, they've dominated every game that I've seen them in the league that I was playing in with the Florida Tarpons and in the league that they played in this past year. I mean, if you look at the scores, it's not even close. Um, I'm telling you right now, that's going to be a team that people are going to be excited about and, and need to watch. I'm telling you right now, the Richmond Rough Riders, remember that. All right, you heard it here first. Everybody's got to watch the Rough Riders, see how they do. Um, thank you very much, Balin, for all that. That was awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, and um, we'll get it out, and I'll send it to you as soon as it's ready, okay? Sounds good, man. Like I said, if you need anything, man, I'm always here. Uh, again, I love talking, you know, sports, and I love talking about the situation because I hope this never happens to anybody else. So I'm all in, man. Well, we do too. That's what that's what our hope is. So thank you very much. Awesome. Yes, sir. Well, I'll take care, man. Good night. God bless. And uh, uh, let me know when the show comes out. Awesome. You too, man. Or when the thing comes. All right, man. Take care. Thank you all for making it through another episode. A couple things I got a quick run through and then we'll be done. Uh, first, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow us on our different key platforms. Uh, first, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globallyballin. Also, Instagram at uh, globallyballinofficial and then Twitter at globallyballin. The Instagram and Twitter are by far our most active and they're also very different content. They're actually run by different people. So go ahead and make sure you're following both of those and they'll also both alert you for when something new is posted either in the podcast or Patreon, which I'm gonna talk about in just a second. Also, um, when it comes to the Facebook account, the Facebook account seems um, less active and we're aware of that. It's different kind of content and more is coming to the Facebook page. So you'll want to like it to make sure you're ready when a new wave of different content, which is coming soon, starts to make its way on there, which is exciting. 
Uh, finally, though, is the Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com and then you search Globally Ballin', you're going to find our account. $3 a month, and with that, you're going to get a, a couple of things. First, shout out to all the supporters, which is great, which is actually also really good for any of you athletes out there. It's a great way to get your name, your brand, your place where people can find your highlight tapes, all that stuff. That'll be plugged in our episodes, which is great. So if you become a patron um, for the $3 a month, you'll get that. In addition, though, what we're really kind of excited about, not that we're not excited about the other one, is that you're going to get a bunch of extra content. It's going to be different from when I originally recorded this to when you're listening to this now. We're going to keep adding to it. Uh, there's a lot of different stuff. It might just be extra stuff that didn't fit into an episode. And there's also a whole new um, different kind of content called Candid Conversations, which is basically a whole new show that we started. As the name suggests, it's a conversation between me and somebody else. For whatever reason, it doesn't fit into an episode. And if you go check out one of those Candid Conversations, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So that $3 a month, you're going to get your shout out and your... Um, your help to support your brand or get attention to your highlight reel or whatever, plus a lot of extra detailed, fun content in addition to this free podcast. So go and check that out. Refresher, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash globally Instagram at globally official, Twitter at globally and uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash or patreon.com search globally balling and you'll find do the three dollar a month patron if you're interested and get all new content a bunch of additional content uh if that's not for you totally fine we still really appreciate you supporting and listening uh if you have any suggestions make sure you send us a message again because we're most active on instagram and twitter that's the best way to send us a suggestion we'd be happy to listen and um and try to get anybody in that area and that sport, that country, that topic that'll help you best. So make sure you send us one of those requests. Otherwise, thank you again for listening. You'll hear from us again uh, next week.